0: Hey guys, I want to welcome you tonight. Thank you for joining us on night number 14, right here live uh, on Facebook. We are doing from Zoom, live to Facebook, and I want to take this opportunity to welcome you. And thank you for joining us tonight. We're delighted to have you and welcome so uh, just uh, come right on in, and we're going to give everyone a moment or two to uh, join us tonight. Uh, Lola and Deborah are in the room, along with some others. Welcome. So glad that you're here. Hope that you all have had a good day. And uh hope, Deborah, that you enjoyed the um, training this morning online. It was, um, I-, I thought, really incredible, and I hope that you were able to um To catch that, I think you did, but uh, whether or no, I just wanted you to know it really was a great, a great time and thank all of you for joining us tonight. Deborah is telling us she is from Campbellsville, Kentucky. And look, that's really important when you come in to be sure and do that. It just helps us to understand and see a little bit uh, who's joining us. And also, it gives us an opportunity to interact more uh during our time together for example like right, uh, last night right near the end uh i asked if there were was anyone who felt like that they would like in this last week um i i wanted to see if anyone had an idea for a subject matter or a topic or something from history or something that they would like to know more about. Hey, Beth Curtis, welcome. Thank you for jumping in. Lola is there in Bowling Green, Kentucky, of course. And uh, so last night, people ended up mentioning four things. And uh, these things I'm going to cover in our third and final week of the communion fast. And so there's Jack Fambro as well. Welcome, Jack and uh i'm going to get a, to connect with jack tomorrow afternoon i was hoping to do it this evening but uh kind of got messed up on my phone calls but nonetheless uh he gets that and so um uh the four subjects that were mentioned last night that people wanted to w- wanted to see us address uh one night next week so i'm going to take a one night each And we're going to cover these four uh, topics. So one was, um, I don't remember, I think it was maybe Lola, who wanted to hear more about the king priest anointing. So I'm really excited to do that. So we're going to do that. Another one was, I believe it was Linda, who mentioned she'd love to hear more about deliverance for captives. And that one has really intrigued me. And so um, I really want to do that one one night next week. I think it was Linda Elias who mentioned deliverance from captives as a topic to really address in uh, in our last week, uh, which will be next week. And the third one that someone asked about, I believe maybe it was Deborah, which was uh, really uh, do a teaching on how— to walk in the perfect will of God. Now, boy, that's a that's a that's a that's a wonderful topic right there. May have to pull Jack Fambro in uh with me on that one. And then the fourth one was I, I don't know, I think it was Mary Fuquay, but uh somebody mentioned um talk more about the marriage ceremony uh as it relates to the covenant. And so I'm gonna be doing that. And I've always had a lot of interest in that right there. And so uh, I'm going to be addressing those four subjects. Uh, I'm going to take each one of them on a separate night and address those four subjects next week. Now, we we would have another night where we could do another one. So if somebody has an idea on here and something really on your heart and mind, then uh, we would love to share that as well uh, one evening. So that would give us five nights, and I really think that would kind of be fun. And here's part of the reason why. I really want our time together, particularly in this setting. Sometimes when we go online, we'll do a, a, a live class in our SOAR school, and the setup is different and all of that. This is really the 21 day communion fast is really designed to be more personal, a little more intimate, uh, sitting, sharing, uh, conversing, dreaming together, and uh really trying to implement by faith the covenant promise of God for um for our lives, families nations and everything that God has has provided for us. Uh, also, I have some wonderful books right up in here that really talk about the covenant promise of God uh, with our nation and talked about uh, some of the early settlers that came and how they uh, absolutely enacted a covenant upon the land. And so, our this land by the way, let, let's understand something. This land Uh, has a rich and incredible history that would predate in many aspects uh, those of our own, uh, what we would identify nationally as some of our original settlers. We know that the First Nations people made an incredible uh, contribution to the land, and and we want to get into some of that. We uh, had a call tonight about coming to North Carolina and meeting with uh, nine different tribes of the First Nations people and really talk and teach about the history of the Washington's cruisers flag, or what is more commonly today known as the appeal to heaven flag, uh, after I had that dream uh, a few years ago and and now that dream has literally just circled around the world. It really has been a crazy thing. Sometimes it's uh sometimes it blows me away to think how I had a, a, a dream one night I wasn't asking for the dream but a dream one night right here in my house uh that ends up uh literally uh circling the globe and we've had people from all over the world send us pictures of them holding the flag. Many have set up uh, supportive pages on Facebook, uh, casting out the teaching and the dream of the Appeal to Heaven flag. Our good friend Dutch really views uh, the part of the dream that he was in really to be a renewing of the prayer movement. And for me, though, the dream really represented, uh, in fact, America's greatest awakening. So we celebrate all who are carrying that in a great way. But I know that in my heart, the night I had my dream, and Jennifer helped me to be able to process it so effectively the next morning. But for me, I knew that, number one, America was going to be going into a very dark period of time. But there would come a time when there would begin to be a gathering of key leaders, a key fellowship, if you will. Uh, I know that our good friend up in Ruth Willard, that name Key Fellowship, the moment it came out of my mouth, I thought about those guys up there because uh, that's what they call their fellowship. And they are a wonderful prophetic uh, prayer movement. But more than that, really do prophetic acts of redeeming the land and the covenant promise of God upon the land. But that's really neither here nor there, other than to say, I believed by the dream that our nation was going to go through a very dark period, but the time would come when leaders would begin to collaborate and come together for a cause greater Than any one of us individually. Guys, I promise you, I'm not sure tonight whether or not we have yet fully learned the message that God wants to give his church in the end of days about. The necessity of our coming together, collaborating, cooperating, supporting, supporting, uh, celebrating one another, rather than get into a competitive deal. It, we just need to be delivered from that. And, and we know, and we are witnessing many, many leaders coming together. One of the things that the Lord really uh, gave to us through that time was we began what we've called the Awakening Mosaic. Look, here's what I really believe. I believe that America's great awakening is some measure already underway. It has begun, but but a greater is coming. Uh, the, an awakening can both be present and coming at the very same time. But what I want you to know tonight is uh, we we started the awakening mosaic, and really it was an effort to bring leaders together to begin to function together in a way that we could multiply the fruit of the harvest and the effectiveness of sustainable revivals coming into a place of awakening. So we are super excited about that. And I know when I got on tonight, I just kind of, bam, jumped right into this. So I have, um, so I have um, not really able to see comments right now. I need to get my phone my phone's on, I, I, I don't want to look down right now cuz i'm i'm on a roll but i need to get my phone set up where i can see the messages but here's what i want you to know there is hope for america but friend there's not hope if we don't engage if the church does not engage and if the cur- if the church does not engage then we will not um fulfill our prophetic destiny in being an instrument in leading the nation on a return path back to God. And so um, my heart is really stirred on that all of the time. It's just my life. But when I'm teaching about the Abrahamic covenant, it seems particularly uh, really intriguing to me. So we're looking at going to North Carolina, meeting with Uh, uh, nine tribes down there. The meeting is scheduled and and we're trying to work our schedule around to see if not the, the trip at this time will be possible for us. But I just wanna encourage you to engage. You need to engage. Again, that's why we started the Mosaic House of Prayer. And so one of the things that we're doing is we're gonna be establishing here at our home base we're really going to be establishing a, a, a concept of a freedom outpost. Years ago, we heard Chuck Pierce really begin to prophesy about a freedom outpost that he could see being established across the land. And so that that sound has always resonated uh, in me, though since the time I heard that word, I couldn't tell you tonight of one of them I know in the nation. I know that there are many hubs and centers and and churches and ministries that are networking and coming together. I'm not saying that, but I'm saying that the the freedom outpost is we really want to make every intentional effort to equip and train leaders, connect. Really, when it comes to leaders, here's my heart in four simple words. What we desire, what we feel like Holy Spirit is releasing and anointing for in these days is really to create synergy and release strategy for leaders. Create synergy, release strategy. That's our heart. That's our vision. And that's what we're really implementing through the uh, Awakening Mosaic. And so we are having in northern Kentucky— at Pastor Clenny Keith's Church Heritage Fellowship in Northern Kentucky, April 19 to 22. We are having uh, a a regional-wide Awakening Mosaic Gathering of Leaders. And we've invited some really key leaders to be with us. I don't really want to go into announcing that yet. Here's why. I don't want it to be a conference where people just come to hear a preacher. Come on, somebody! I want it to be a gathering where leaders are drawn by the Holy Ghost to come together, that we might begin to form a collaborative front line to establish a strategy that we could see revival and awakening really advance in the land. I, I, I'm I'm convinced. That revival and awakening will not just be carried on the back of one good service after another good service after another good service, but we must engage leaders and we must engage them in a spirit of humility, honor, and holiness. That is the bedrock foundation for the awakening mosaic. We want a foundation of humility, honor, and holiness. Because leaders, when we come together, it cannot be a, a it cannot be a, a a competition preaching conference. It really needs to be strategic. We need to establish roundtables. We need to have conversation. We need to be able to convey a spirit of honor, a spirit of humility, and the spirit of of holiness where we begin to cry out as one. Uh, for the nation. And so that's what that's our heart. That's where we're boldly moving into in this year uh, in a in a bigger way. And we are establishing the Mosaic House of Prayer. Uh, we're doing that online. Now what I'm going to do is I'm setting up a private, completely private Facebook page that's going to be the Mosaic House of Prayer. And what we're going to do is we are going to connect initially I feel that the Holy Spirit has called us to connect 1,000 homes across the nation or globally, connect a 1,000 homes strategically in prayer. Now, this is not going to be the kind of group where we just come together and we just pray sporadically about certain things that may come up among us. What we want to do is develop a very intentional strategy of of converging together the word and the spirit so that we're praying by the Holy Ghost, the declared word of the Lord, that we might see a strategy implemented uh, for uh, true awakening and transforming revival. Now, tonight is gonna be a little bit different. I do have some things I wanna share with you about the Abrahamic covenant, but look, I, I feel tonight compelled by the Holy Spirit to share with you a dream that I had that I don't think I've ever shared publicly. My wife, Jennifer, is here, of course. She's in the other room. She's working in the text thread. Let me, excuse me one minute, let me just make sure that I can get that opened up here. Uh, She's already in the text thread, I'm sure, and she can correct me if I'm wrong. Okay, there it is. Hey. First person I see is Sherry. Come on. Awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you for jumping in. Well, there's Ruth Willard right there. Uh, Proverbs 24, 6. The message, strategic planning is the key to warfare. To win, you need a lot of good counsel. Somebody write that down right there. Excuse me. Proverbs 24, 6. I'm thinking that in just a moment... Uh, a, a, an angel army is going to enter my room, and uh, an army of one is going to bring me a cold drink. And so I'm, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just going to see if that, you know, if there's any way that could happen. And so, um, so what I want to do tonight is I want to take a moment and I want to share with you some scripture. We are going to be taking communion together. And look, uh, Ruth, I, um, oh, I, I want you to look here, look at there. Isn't it amazing? Don't you wish you could? Don't you wish you had an angel army like that? Graham Harvey says synergy is released only if you truly want to see something bigger than your
1: influence being revealed. My goodness, look at there. Graham Harvey comes in the room, walks up, takes the microphone, and just drops it. Goes back
0: and sits down, and everybody just goes. And so that's amazing, but it's true. So many times when, when leaders gather, we get so entangled with trying to, um, expand our own personal influence that we miss the kingdom dynamic of a, of a shared collaborative, synergetic mission to make an impact. In the nation. And so we're going to do that. And Graham, by the way, Graham and Mary, since the first meeting we ever had about the awakening mosaic, uh, Graham and Mary Harvey were there and we love that. And others may be on here who were a part of that meeting. But like I said, I'm just now jumping into the notes. So here's what I want to do. And by the way, I've always wanted to get Ruth and those guys down to Kentucky, so we really need to pray, Ruth. uh, April would be a great time for you to come. Some of the leaders that we're having, I I think that you would really uh, love as well. So I want to read our scripture for the week. It's rooted in Genesis 17, and then I'm going to take you for a moment uh, to Genesis chapter 28, okay? And so here's why I'm doing that. Because I want to continue to lay the foundation for what the Lord is saying um, at the beginning of this year. Now, please hear my heart. I'm not one of those people that believe that if the Lord is saying it through me, it's more important than him saying it through anyone else. Simply not true. But I, here's what I do desire I do not desire to be an echo of what everybody else is saying. Isn't it interesting how? A major prophet or an influential prophetic ministry could release a word, and then suddenly you begin to hear that word everywhere as if, and sometimes it happens that way. But I don't want to be an echo, I want to be a voice. And so in this place, I want to share with you Genesis 17, because this has been the passage, the scripture, the verse that we've been tracking all week. And then I want to do one more thing. I want to take you to Genesis chapter twenty-eight. So if you have your Bibles, go over to Genesis twenty-eight. Now, watch this. You got three generations represented from generations uh, from Genesis seventeen to generation to Genesis twenty-eight. You got Abraham, you got Isaac, and you got Jacob. Now, and so what I want to do is tonight, for a moment, and, and I'm just giving you a glimpse of this. But what I want to do for a moment, I want to give you the perspective of three generations, because here's what I know. America's greatest awakening, and in fact, an end-time global move of God, is going to be carried in the hearts of leaders who are on fire, no matter who has a microphone. All right. So let's go ahead and say that. And so here's what I want to say. Genesis 17, one. this has been our verse all week. And I thank you for spending your time with us tonight. And I want to be able to maximize uh, the gift of your time. So I'm going to share these scriptures quickly. I want to share with you two or three things. And then I feel compelled tonight, this is where I was going a moment ago, to tell the story of a dream that it's a little bit unusual. I don't really know why. I feel so impressed to tell it. And I don't think I've ever told the dream before, but I was saying a few moments ago, uh Jennifer's on the thread and if I have told it uh publicly before and I have misspoken, she she will uh, be delighted you know, she'll correct me on here and I'm perfectly fine with that. So look here, Genesis 1. it's our verse for the week. Have you been reading it? Have you been reading it all in these verses and chapters that we've been reading now for what, 14 days? And remember, tomorrow night, on Sunday night, we're going to be celebrating answers to prayer, breakthroughs, and we're going to be celebrating uh, what God has been ministering to us in the first 14 days. Genesis 17.1, when Abram was 99 years old. Somebody go ahead and write in the slot. I'm not too old yet. Come on. Is anybody on here 99? I don't think so. Nobody yet anybody on here 99? I'm not going to start asking people's ages, but I'm just thinking, and I'm trying to think through the list as I know it and have seen it. And there may be a couple of y'all close, but there ain't nobody 99 yet, to my knowledge. But here's what I want you to know. It's not over yet. Somebody go touch your neighbor right now and say it's not over yet. Look, even if you're sitting in the room with somebody that's not watching this, Just stir them up a little bit right now. Turn over there and say it ain't over yet. Just go ahead and tell them it ain't over yet. Just go ahead and tell them. They'll be glad to hear that, though they have no idea maybe what you're talking about. Beth Curtis says I'm not too old yet. Lola says I'm not too old yet. Jean says I'm not too old yet. Jean's nowhere close to too old yet. I'm not too old yet. See, Mary, Jennifer, I'm not too old yet. See, we're not too old yet. But sometimes in our minds. We have eliminated the possibility of God using us way too soon. So many times God uses people right where they are, and he wants to do that even today. So when Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to him. I love that. Uh, it's, it's like that New Testament word apocalypsis. It's like, it's the unveiling. It's the, it's the revealing. It's like, it's like, It's like it's found again in 2 Chronicles chapter 20. It's like God, hidden in nowhere, reveals himself in somewhere. And it's like God who was not seen is suddenly seen. It's like God who was not there is suddenly there. That's what's happening here. It's the unveiling. It's the uncovering. It's the revealing of the heart of God in this covenant promise. Really is pretty amazing. Look, when God ministers you in a service or he touches you at an altar, wait a minute, you know what? Nell Vaughn, she replied in there, I'm 95 and I'm not too old yet. Everybody in this room needs to go give Jennifer and mine by proxy, my and Jennifer's Aunt Nell. A great big old hug, and God bless you, and I love you. She's 95, honey, and I promise y'all right now, uh, she's probably stronger than many 40-year-olds on here. I'm just saying, and uh, so we love that. Uh, Aunt Nell, not only is she the perfect age for God to use, I'm just telling you, she's the perfect heart. She's the perfect spirit. She's the perfect person for God to use in amazing ways. Let me tell you one story about uh, Aunt Nell that Jennifer and I have loved so much all these years. She has a jar. I picture a mason jar. I don't know what kind of jar it is, but she has a mason jar with uh, popsicle sticks in it. And on the popsicle sticks are written all of the names of the people in her family, all the names of her family. And every day she puts her hand in the jar and pulls out a stick or two, I don't know, out of the jar. She pulls them out and she prays for those family members every day. And sometimes she'll reach out to Jennifer and say, I'm praying for Curtis today. I'm praying for Patrick. I'm praying for you and Ricky. I'm praying for you all. And we just love that, guys. You know, sometimes we think we have to be so smart and technological. Friend, let me just tell you something. God answers prayers that are scribed on popsicle sticks. You hear me? You hear me? It's a great idea, Sharon. And and I would encourage you. We'll just we'll just start doing ant nail jars. You know what? Here's what we'll do. <clears throat> when we set up the Mosaic House of Prayer the face group the the private face group there not everybody's going to be on there by the way but when we set that up we're going to put a jar uh connected with that page that we're going to put prayer requests on that in the sticks on the popsicle sticks in that jar and uh we're going to do it in honor of aunt nell and we'll pray for people all over the world so that's pretty awesome so, uh Jennifer, help me get that done all right and and the, but the Lord said, "I am the Lord Almighty. um walk and live habitually before me. We looked at that last night, and be perfect, blameless,
1: wholehearted or complete I, I, Are you serving God wholeheartedly we We talked like like
0: like last night from this passage that really the imagery of that verse is amazing because it's not calling us to walk in the shadow of his glory. Well, wouldn't that be something? But rather, he's calling us to walk in the brilliance of his face. How much greater is that? And then verse 2, I will make my covenant, my solemn pledge between me and you, and you will multiply exceedingly. Now, we've read much of that chapter over the last week, but but we begin the week by declaring that this is a year for multiplication. It's a year for expansion. It is a year for El Shaddai. It is a year for the Almighty God to begin to move supernaturally in your life and raise you up, In a king priest anointing in these days to do the unimaginable things that you have already dreamed in your heart to do. Now, I told you I was going to go to Genesis 28. So I'm going to turn over there for a moment and I'm only going to read a couple of verses, and that is 13 to 15. But listen to these verses. Actually, let let me back up just a little bit. Jacob left Beersheba. You remember that? Isaac had put the blessing upon uh, Jacob and Jacob was now the direct heir of the covenant promise of God through his grandfather, Abraham. Can I tell you something? The covenant promise that God made with Abraham did not die with Abraham's generation. Hear what I'm saying to you. Did God make covenant with Abraham? Yes, he did. Undeniably irrevocably, uh, inconceivably even, God entered into covenant with Abraham. Was it for Abraham? Absolutely. But it was also for every descendant of Abraham. Come on, somebody. And it was for every generation. And watch this. It even impacted every family of the earth for all of humanity. Now think about that for a moment. But yet, the reason why I'm emphasizing this tonight is because every single generation must once again return to the hope of the covenant promise of God and begin to reassert its principles upon the earth. Hear what I'm saying to you. This is bigger than what we may realize. I'm telling you, I feel strongly tonight somebody's life is about to change tonight. I wanna to tell you something. Somebody has been waiting all of their life to hear what you're hearing tonight. And I believe that the Holy Ghost is gonna to begin to reveal to us our future so that we can step into the word that has been declared over our lives. And by the way, that's exactly the dream that I'm gonna share with you tonight. But But we go there. And so what happened was Isaac blessed Jacob, to To be the heir upon the earth, the carrier, if you will, of this covenant promise that was originally given to him by his to his father Abraham, now check this out. The blessing of the covenant given two generations
1: ago in no way changed to Jacob. God didn't take some things out, God didn't alter it. Jacob
0: tried to just like we try to. Come on, somebody. Jacob had just enough bad religion to not really respond well to what was just given to him. But you know what? We can't be too hard on Jacob because you've had the Bible, you've had the revelation of God for many, many years in your life. Some of you have been Christians for years. Some of you have been filled with the Holy Spirit, sanctified. Your lives have been consecrated in the way of God. And yet you still question his ways
1: because you don't understand his works. Or you question his works because you don't understand his ways.
0: But but Isaac blessed Jacob. Jacob was now the heir. Jacob had the responsibility to enact the covenant promise of God upon the earth and to carry it faithfully. Can I tell you something? That same covenant has been given to you. That same covenant has been given to me. That same covenant has been given. As a matter of fact, one of my books right up here talks about how... um, General George Washington had an incredible insight biblically to the covenant promise of God. Furthermore, he was given by the Holy Spirit the strategy to implement the covenant in the formation of our nation. All right, so that's another teaching for another time. I don't even know if you all are with me or not. I'm trying to see. Don't don't completely disappear on me because then I don't know what to do. So, but look, so... Esau
1: sent Jacob away. Can I tell you something? Sometimes you gotta be sent. All right. Wow. Uh, Jacob left Beersheba. He came
0: to a certain place and he stayed there overnight because the sun was set, taking one of the stones of the place, he put it under his head and he laid down there to sleep. And he dreamed that there was a ladder how many of y'all know this story? If you know this story, put a number one in the chat. Jacob's vision—he saw a ladder. Now, watch this. He saw the ladder. Now, wait a minute. Set up on the earth, and the ladder. The Bible says, "the the top of it reached to heaven." Now, watch. This ladder was not set in heaven, reaching to earth, but it was set up on the earth and the top of it reached to heaven. Now watch this. And the angels of God were what? Go ahead and write it right there in the message line. What were the angels doing in Genesis 28, in Jacob's dream? The angels were ascending and descending on the ladder in Jacob's vision. Is that not incredible? I mean, it's really a remarkable dream. As a matter of fact, did you know that Bible scholars tell us that in Genesis 28, think about this, in Genesis 28 is the first revelation of the church. Long before the Western American church made it about commerce and buildings and institutions and structures and retirements and professional clergy, the church mentioned in Genesis 28 would become identified as he would name this place Bethel, what and he, he would call it the gate of heaven. Now, watch this. I it's amazing to me. And the angels of God, well, watch this. I love it because. You'd have to get in to really study this passage, which I've done, and I love it so much. But it's interesting to me that the first time we see the angels in Genesis 28, they were not descending from heaven, but they were ascending from earth. So the Bible says they were ascending and they were descending. Now,
1: uh, uh, all right, so so here's what I want you to know again. And <clears throat> here's my problem When I get the privilege to really teach like this,
0: which I can't tell you how bad I miss in my life, I could do this every single night of my life, and nobody knows that better than my wife. but I could do this every single night of my life and when i when I'm absent from it for a time, when I'm absent from it from a time, my heart begins to despair over the covenant promise and the hope of God in the nations. But look, the angels were ascending and descending. Now, here's what I want you to know. This is, this right here is a dynamic picture. Now, here's what happens. In many times in the Old Testament, what happens is we look at things, it's almost like we're looking through a fog and we're trying to see what it means but we really can't make it out it's kind of like it's kind of like i can see a shadow it's like i can i can see a type of something it's like i can see the 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 outworking of a of a a building or maybe the the you know the character of a man or something like in a fog or a shadow here's what i want you to know most of the old testament is concealed In types and shadows that have been given to us to reveal in the New Testament a much greater reality. Now, some of y'all have heard me do this when we've been teaching or in services, but here's how I look at this. Okay, let me just do it this way. I don't know if you can see this. Okay, you see my Bible right here, right? You see my Bible right here? I love this Bible, by the way. And, And you see my Bible now. Now, right here, I'm putting my hand over top of my Bible. I'm not touching my Bible, but put put a number two in there if you can see my shadow upon the Bible. All right, if you can see the shadow of my hand, I hope y'all can. I don't really know, but if you can see my shadow up on the Bible, see, I'm not touching the Bible, but the the shadow reflects the movement of my hand. Okay, they can see the shadow, good. So so here's the difference between the Old Testament and the New Testament. The difference is this, best way I know how to describe it. The Old Testament is like my shadow up on the page. You, you can tell it's a man's hand. You probably wouldn't be able to look at it and say, oh yeah, that's Rick Curry's hand. You, you're not that good, right? But you can tell it's a man's hand. You can see it. You can see the hand, but it's a shadow upon a page, and you really can't make it out. The difference between the Old Testament and the New Testament is the difference between that shadow upon the page and my real hand. See this is my real hand right here. Get close enough, you can see my fingerprints, you can see the lines in my hands. you can see the hair on my hands, you can see my knuckles, you can see my thumbnails you can see you can see my hands. <clears throat> The shadow is one-dimensional. My hand is three-dimensional, four-dimensional. My hand <clears throat> has the capacity. Look, in the Old Testament, the shadow, you can witness movement, but the shadow can't pick this up. The shadow can't get me a drink. The shadow can't pick up the bread, but the hand can. And so here, here, here's my point. The Old Testament, see, the Old Testament over here, is is it's wrapped up in types and shadows that we're like, oh, it's a ladder. Isn't that awesome? You know, we need to put a ladder up in the prayer room. Well, why? Well, because it's a great image of angels ascending and descending. It, you know what? It's amazing to me.
1: Sometimes, people, am I too wound up tonight? I feel like I'm pretty wound up. If I'm too wound up, somebody just
0: blow a whistle or something, calm me down a little bit. But here's what I want you to know. So many times people get so enamored with angels.
1: And they must have forgotten they got the Holy Ghost on the inside of them. Holy Ghost, angel.
0: I'm going to go with the Holy Ghost. <laughs> now, I'm not discrediting, please don't understand me. I'm not devaluing the revelation or the understanding of angels and all their participation and work upon the earth. But look, here's what they do. They partner to work with us. When? When we stand in the covenant promise of God and do what God has called us to do. All right? So, But in the Old Testament, we see these types and shadows. We see a ladder we see a ladder set up on the earth. It's kind of weird. Top of it goes all the way to heaven. So for the first time in all of scripture, we begin to see the conjoining of heaven and earth. It's it's a picture of heaven and earth being made one. It's a picture of earth having access into the heavens. It's an amazing thing. We've never seen anything like it before. So, so the, the writer records it. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob tell the stories. It's recorded for every generation of humankind to begin to scratch their heads and say, wow, what's the ladder all about? I mean, it's set up on the earth. (laughs) Top of it reaches to heaven. Angels ascending and descending. And
1: then God comes to that spot and ministers to Jacob personally. Just a couple verses ago, it was his father, Isaac,
0: who was imparting to him the covenant promise and sending him forth into the future to carry what God has declared. Can I tell you something? Somebody has got to carry into the future what God has already declared. Friend, it's not a new word America needs. It's not a next word that America needs. America needs this word. This word is enough word to bring about everything we desire and need to see upon the earth. So, but here's the point. Here's the point. Isaac had just told him, the blessing is on you. He goes, he takes a rock, he sleeps in a place, he's weary, it's getting dark has this amazing dream, and then God comes to him and meets him there. And God affirms to to Jacob the very same things he had affirmed to Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and every generation after. My generation, your generation, it's now, guys, now. Now. Stop begging God for what he's already fully provided for you and more. Look, he's provided things for you.
1: You've not even taken the time to discover that he has provided. So God comes and he affirms. And by the way, just quickly, God says to him, I'm going to give you land. I'm going to give you nations. And I'm going to give you blessing. I'm going to
0: give you land. I'm going to give you nations or seed. And I'm going to give you blessings. I'm going to give you land. I'm going to give you seed. I'm going to give you blessing. I'm with you. I'm never going to leave you. The covenant promise is true. And I will never break my word. I will give you land I will give you seed or nations, and I will give to you blessing. By
1: the way, in the founding of our own nation, many of the founding fathers understood
0: the covenant promise of God enough to declare the land, the seed, and the blessing of God upon the land forever. It's an amazing thing. It's an amazing thing. But God says that to him. And you and I can say, wow, so encouraging. We come to the New Testament. We read, you know, Philippians 1, six. I wrote this in my journal. He who
1: began a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. Do you believe that? Do you believe that he that began a good work in you is going to complete it? Is he giving up on you? Before the work is completed, let me ask
0: you this: Are you partnering and working with him to bring the work he's given you to do to completion? How about this?
1: Philippians four nineteen wrote this in my journal: "My God shall supply all." Of your needs according to the riches of his glory. It's not about what God is going to do. It's all
0: about what he's already done for us. I love that, Jack. And it is. And what we have to do is to learn how to accept what he's done, accept it. You know, it's easy to be born again. You know, it's easy to be saved. You know, it's easy to be forgiven. Did you know it's easy to be delivered? Did you know it's easy to be healed? All you have to do is accept the provision of the covenant promise that he's already sealed by the blood of his own son and give to us and has given to us the down payment or the surety
1: of the full reward by the gift of the Holy Ghost. Pretty interesting. How many of you have ever heard that scripture before? If you've ever heard that scripture before that
0: says, My God shall supply all my need according to his riches and glory, if you've ever heard that before, put a number five in the message slot and say, Yes, Brother Rick, I've heard that scripture. Can I ask you a question? If we've heard that scripture, why does so much lack and fear and poverty, and want, and frustration come out of our mouth. Friend, it's one of two things. We either don't believe the promise, we've not accepted it, or we're squandering
1: and not stewarding what he's already invested in us. You know, Nahum seven says, the Lord is good. He's a stronghold in a day of trouble. Wow. Yeah, I've told people a long time, It, it your biggest breakthrough doesn't come by the revelation that you hear Your breakthrough comes by the revelation that you hear,
0: you respond to. There's got to be a response in the heart. There's got to be a response in the mind, the mouth, the ears. There's got to be a response. Look, many, many,
1: many people have sat through a gospel message and left unsaved. If the revelation alone
0: was sufficient, there'd be no need for a response. And if there was no need for a response, there'd be no need for a revelation. But the revelation is given that we could be saved. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just man to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all
1: unrighteousness. That's what it says. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world.
0: But yet so many times We talk more about people that are against us than the one who is for us when the one who is for us has angel armies at his command to beckon our call upon the earth and given to us the fullness of the Holy Ghost that we can be effective in the earth. Got one more scripture I want to share with you, and then I'm going to tell you the story of the dream real quick.
1: Are y'all okay? Y'all still with me? I know it's almost nine o'clock. My time. It means it's almost 10 your time. What else are you going to do at 10 o'clock at night? Some of y'all, before you got saved, you'd head downtown about this time. So (laughs) let
0: me read this scripture to you. This scripture right here, just one verse, is found in uh, Gospel According to St. John, chapter 1, verse... 51. Look at this. It's the words of Jesus, by the way, speaking to Nathanael. And he said in verse 50, Jesus replied, Because I said to you, I saw you beneath the fig tree. Do you believe in and rely on and trust in me? You will see greater things than these. And then Jesus said to him, I assure you. How many of y'all know when Jesus says, I assure you? Most solemnly, I tell you all, you shall see heaven opened and the angels of God ascending and descending upon the
1: Son of Man. Genesis 28, beautiful, incredibly fulfilled right out of the words of the
0: Christ himself. So guys, I've been, I really talked more tonight than I than I anticipated talking. It's not completely unusual for me. Is that Scott Kilborn, man? Scott, we've been praying for you, buddy. Hang in there. Okay, Jean says she's still with me. So if Jean's with me, we're, go- we're gonna roll on. I wanna tell you real quick a story, but I wanna tell you first why I'm telling you this story. I'm telling you the story because in Genesis 28, we see Jacob had a dream. And in the dream, God gave him a revelation that would impact and transform his life. Now, I know uh, for me, I'll just say for me, most of the vivid ways that God ministers to me, warns me, cautions me, even about people. My wife knows this too. I will dream it. It's like I may not hear anything all day, but when I go to bed, I'll dream. And many times, just like the appeal to heaven dream. It, and that's kind of what I started with, because we we got an invitation to go to North Carolina and meet with nine uh, First Nations tribes and teach about the appeal to heaven flag and the awakening and revival that's coming to the First Nations people. Oh, it's coming. And so I've been kind of processing that, but it's still so weird to me to think, I could have a dream in my house right here, and that dream literally go all over the world. People have sent us pictures all over the world of them holding up the appeal to heaven flag. Even these years later, I've never had any person who told me they learned about that flag in school, Or saw it or anything else. But I want to tell you a dream. And really, here's why I'm telling you that dream. Number one, it was a prophetic dream. Number two, it was a prophetic dream of a warning and instruction. Thirdly, it was a dream that would save my life, not figuratively, it would save my life. So what I'm telling you is, We are living in incredible days. I mean, every day, there's another news story of an 18-year-old, a 20-year-old, a 30-year-old, a 40-year-old, perfectly healthy, many of them
1: young athletes, dropping dead just like that, heart attacks. And now, the article I read the other
0: day, that the CDC is looking for Uh, trying to develop a shot or something to inject straight into the heart to help the young that are dying suddenly with massive heart attacks. Now, look, this is not the platform tonight for me to get into that other than here's what I'm saying to you. We're not living in normal times. And if you're living, if you're trying to settle for normal in abnormal times, you are going to be ill-equipped for the days that we're now in. So, uh, okay. Oh, that helped, didn't it? So, uh, here's the dream. So, I dreamed, and I'm going to try to tell this quick. I dreamed one night that I was uh, walking down the street of a major city. I felt like it was New Orleans. But this inner city, wherever it was, was very dark, very dirty. The odor of the inner city was everywhere. And I was walking up the sidewalk. And suddenly I looked over and there said a man was nasty dirty. His hair was matted, had some kind of old hat on. His skin was dirty. His clothes were wretched. The odor from this man was terrible. He was sitting uh, on the sidewalk, leaned up against the building, had a few of his little belongings sitting around him. And he had a little thing there begging. When people go by, and then suddenly, in this dream, as I begin to walk by this man, I looked
1: down at him, and when I did, I saw it was me. I looked in his face, and it was me, so I immediately
0: looked at him, looked back, tried to figure out what in the world and so then the dream shifted. And now I am the man sitting on the on the sidewalk, leaned back up against the building. It's my hair matted it's a nasty old hat I'm wearing had nasty, filthy clothes on. I was dirty I was sitting on the I was sitting on the curb, begging on the sidewalk, begging my belongings were around me i i the odor was terrible, and it was me. My face was unkept, and not only that, I had big old sores all over my arm, big sores on my face. I had sores, my neck, I had sores. And I was sitting there just leaning up, and suddenly here came a group of people by. I don't remember how many in the group, doesn't matter. But they began to come by a few minutes later, and they walked by me, and they were like ministering on the street. And one of them looked over at me, And looked at me, and just the way they looked at me, I I looked away, I put my head down. And they said, Wait a minute, we
1: recognize you. And uh, I didn't look up. And they said, You're Rick Curry. You, You used to preach the gospel.
0: You were a minister. I remember hearing you one time. You're Rick Curry. And I looked up at them, I said, You know, who do you think you are? I'm not Rick Curry. And so I strongly denied to these people, not me, you got the wrong guy. I don't know who you think you are. You need to go on down the road. And I was angry that they had spotted me in my eyes. And the person said to me, said, no, 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 no. I know it's you because I could see your eyes. I know it was you. I knew it was you. I can see you. And I said, it's not me. You need to just go away. You need to leave me alone. Go on. And I tried to run them off. And he just was emphatic to tell me that he knew me, he knew who I was, and he was praying for me, he's helping me. And the whole time he was there, I was just like, look, just leave me alone, just go on, get away. And I was even going to get up and just leave and all of that. And then he, he goes away. And a, f- a few minutes later, there was a, a, a man that come by, and he was all by himself. And he began to look at me. And all he said to me was, he just began to say, you know, he was right. Um,
1: Things have changed. You know, he was right. But I just want you to know there's hope. There's hope for you.
0: And so then uh, immediately from that, it was like he was helping me up. So he reaches down, and I take his hand, and he begins to help me up from the seated position. And I'm trying to gather up all my little nasty stuff, and he helps me to my feet. When he when he, when I get up on my feet, suddenly I'm standing on a, a platform, standing on a large stage, of about I don't know thousands of people. I'm standing in front of, and I'd just been introduced, and I was supposed to go talk to them, and so. I stepped out on the stage, and I was there all by myself, kind of looking around. I was totally freaked out because I knew I had big sores all over my arms. I was in nasty clothes. I looked terrible. My hair was matted. It was a wreck. I'm like, why am I here? What am I doing? What am I saying? And I stood there for a moment, and I turned and looked, and the man who had helped me up was standing right here over my shoulder. And he puts his hand on my shoulder, and he tells me I can do it. And so I said, okay. So I just started talking to them. And I started showing them the sores on my arms. I tried to explain to them all these these sores on my arms, open wounds on my face, my neck, just showing them all this filth, all of this. And the people were just responding as if they were laughing. And I was just trying to show them where I was at. And then suddenly I I asked the crowd, I said, how many of you all think
1: that I look like a man addicted to crack cocaine? And they all died laughing. And I didn't know why. And I turned and looked, and the man behind me told me to look again.
0: And so I looked. My arms had no sores on them at all. My face was as clear as it can be. I mean, my, my hair was still messed up, but I mean, my hair was in place and I, I had a, a, a suit on and I was dressed nicely. And uh, I, I had been standing the whole time in front of these people, very neatly dressed, say it that way. And the people were laughing because I had no sores. I had no. Places. I weren't dirty. I wasn't, and I turned back to them. And the next thing I said to them was, "In the dream, I said, how many of you all feel like
1: I look like a man addicted to sugar? Addict- addicted to sugar. Isn't it a weird dream? How many of you all think I look like a man addicted to sugar?" They all begin to applaud and say, "Yes, yes, yes." He looked like a man addicted to sugar. And so I just began to give to them hope. This was a dream. I'm like, are you kidding me? What what in the world was a dream? And then when I turned around, the man said to me, he ministers to me again, hope. But he
0: said something to me I'll never forget. This was in a dream. The man said to me, he said, Rick, you you must learn that. Now, everybody hear me on this.
1: He said, sugar is crack to the sanctified. But it will kill you nonetheless. And I came away from that, saying, man, what does that mean? wrote it down
0: in my journal. Me and Jennifer processed it a little bit, just dealing with it. It's like, wow, what's that mean? And and, and really, it, I think part of the thing was oftentimes, I look, hear me, I, because I'm making a point of this. I'm not just telling the story to be telling the story. I'm telling the story to make a point. Many times the church, many times we as Christians, we see ourselves full of sores, we're divided, you know, our neck is raw, our hair is dirty, our clothes are worn out, we're exhausted, we're fatigued. <clears throat> we don't feel an effective. We feel like we just have this beggar mentality where we're sitting on the street corner and there's no authority and there's no miracles. And sure, you may have a revival here and there, and they may be saying all of this is going on. But let me tell you something. The revival that America needs and the awakening that is at hand is the likes of which you have never seen in your lifetime. And I begin to realize that part of what the Spirit of God was dealing with me about in that dream was my own self-image on the inside. And I'm telling you right now, when we come into confident hope in the covenant promise of God, I'm telling you, he'll change how you think. He'll change how you see yourself. He'll change how you view yourself. He'll change how you first see yourself because the way you see yourself is the way others will see you. But the covenant promise of God gives to us Genesis seventeen, Genesis twenty eight. Uh, we we looked tonight at Philippians, you know one six. Uh, I'm sorry, four nineteen. We looked at uh, uh, Nahum one seven. We looked at John one fifty one. On and on and on, guys. I knew from that dream, Jennifer and I knew. And by the way, I may dream the dream, but she knows more about it than I do because she, the Spirit of God made me a dreamer and gave me one who interprets my dreams. But here's the thing: I knew God was dealing with me because He was changing me, and suddenly I begin to have hope. You know what holiness really means? I'm going too long. Do you know what holiness really means? Holiness really means that who I am on the outside is exactly who I am on the inside that there's no distinguishing difference between who I am on the inside and who I am on the outside Here's the problem sometimes. What I am on the inside—what well, let me say it this way—what I believe about myself on the inside is radically different than what I try to portray to people on the outside. So it only be a few weeks later. Till I heard the Lord say in a place of prayer, he's going to begin to renew the mind and restore the bodies of leaders because of the days we're coming into. A few months after that, COVID breaks out. In between renew the mind and restore the body, I lost 115 pounds. Why? Because God had first given me a hope, and secondly, he had given me a word. Friend, I'm telling you right now, if God gives you a hope and God gives you a word, then I'm telling you right now, nothing is impossible concerning you. I don't know. Is everybody did everybody leave me? I don't know. The 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 dramatic change out here must be first the dramatic change that's in here. And you know what? When we got that word, and Jennifer and I, we crossed that word together, and we begin to do that, I begin to pull myself to it. Why? Because I had hope, and I had a word. Let me ask you a question. How many of you have been given a word, but you have no hope? And how many of you have a little bit of hope, but you have no word? I'm telling you tonight, every one of you have both. Every one of you have a hope and every one of you have a word. I have a hope and I have a word. I have a hope and I have a word. I have a hope and I have a word. I have a hope and I have a word. I'm looking for somebody tonight that has a hope but you don't have a word or I'm looking for somebody tonight that you've been given a word but you don't have a hope but I'm telling you when you take the hope of the Lord and marry it to the word of the Lord and by faith pull yourself into it. Anything is possible. And friend, tonight I'm not telling you, you need a hope from some traveling prophet. I'm telling you, you've got hope right here. It may be you don't need to spend another thousand dollars to go to a conference and jump in a swimming pool. It may mean you need to go to the back room and open up your open up your Bible and say, God, give me a hope. And friend, if you if you read this and you can't find a hope, reach out to somebody who can give you a hope because this Bible right here is hope cover to cover. It's hope, it's full of hope. It's hope for every man, every nation, every tribe, every tongue,
1: every boy, every girl, every nation every family, every situation. But when we have hope that's married to a word, nothing is impossible. Let me say it a different way. That's saying it
0: negatively. Everything is possible. Anything is possible. When you give me hope with a word, give me hope with a
1: word and anything is possible. And when that happened for us, I'm telling you, 115 pounds, easiest thing I ever did in my life, true, true. Could I afford it? Not really, but you know what I found out? The company was willing to pay me to get healthy.
0: So now I'm saving money because I'm not spending $15 a day on Chick-fil-A or McDonald's or Burger King. But now I'm spending money and I'm transforming my life. Why? Because I have a hope and I have a word. And the spirit of God says he's going to raise up leaders. He's going to renew their mind and restore their bodies for the days we were coming into. And when I had COVID, I was so severely sick I even had blisters breaking out on my body. I was so sick. And my doctor told me if I had not been doing this program,
1: I would not have lived through that experience. But you know what? By the grace of God, I'm alive.
0: And I'm alive because of a hope and of a word The reason we do the covenant promise, the covenant uh, fast at the beginning of the year is because it brings us back to, to the most fundamental, elementary, foundational, revelatory truth of all of the word of God. Friend, I'm telling you, everything else in this book. Flows out of that as a fulfillment of that. Genesis 28, we read to you 13 to 15, John chapter one, verse 51. Jesus said, you know what? You're going to see angels ascending and descending upon the son of man. Friend, I'm telling you, Jesus is that ladder. Jesus is the way. Jesus is the hope. Jesus is the promise. Jesus is the word. As a matter of fact, he is
1: the eternal word. He is the eternal logos. He is the eternal logos. He is the word of God. John chapter 1, verse 1.
0: In the beginning was the word, the word was with God, and the word was God. In our kai Anhel logos, logos, Prostanteon. In the Greek, I'm telling you, he's the Word in any language, every language. He's the he's the Word to every nation. He's the Word to every family. He's the Word to every situation. He's the Word to every marriage. He's the Word to every ministry. He's the Word to every meeting. He's the Word to every revival. He's the Word to every every trauma. He's the Word for every nation. He's the Word for every tribe. He's the Word for every generation. He's the Word for every man. He's the Word for every
1: woman. He is the word. Friend, he is the hope. The problem is we've been trained by the church to beg rather than trained in the kingdom to reign. And reign we must. The days demand it. Going to take communion. I don't even know if you guys are here or
0: not, maybe all by myself. We're gonna take the bread, celebrate tonight, wonderful body of our risen King. Friend, even as you digest this tonight, you be keenly aware he's coming again. And he's not coming as a ghostly figure wrapped
1: up in a UFO. He's coming as the reigning, reigning king of glory. His blood, friend. blood his blood it's not the blood of a goat not the blood of a heifer
0: not the blood of a calf not the blood of a lamb the blood of the eternal lamb of god the king of glory his blood cleanses from all sin did you know that his blood cleanses from all sin friend it's easy to get saved you just have to accept the hope that the father manifests in the gift of his only begotten son. Even as he spared Isaac from the knife of Abram, he did not spare the death of his own son for me and you. Let's drink it together. That's awesome. Thank you so much. I see Andrew on here. I'm going to be with Andrew on a podcast coming up on the 23rd, I believe it is. So we'll draw your attention to that so you can see that uh guys uh please on here um today's day 14 so next saturday night will be our last night live on the communion and we are going to have people over at our house next week during the live communion and we're going to meet with them and have a time of prayer and impartation and all that before we go live up for the communion so if you're in the pensacola area reach out to my wife, Jennifer, here. We'd love to extend to you an invitation to come be a part of that. So thank you for jumping in tonight. Land, seed, and blessing. It's on its way. By the way, you know know what God told um, uh, Jacob? That he was going to give him land always in the covenant promise for a gathering place. Every generation has gathered there's just too much. I could go on. Thank you all for joining us on night number 14. And I apologize for I went really long. God bless you guys. Get in church tomorrow. Have a wonderful day. If you don't have a church and you live near us, reach out to us. Come go to church with us. God bless you. Have a wonderful night.